Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Jeff Palermo is here with us now. Jeff, LSU and Texas A&M, and when you think about it, uh, it, it look, some people take it to, it's kind of like one of those things where, you know, you could talk about uh, the family if you are the family, but anybody that talks about the family that's not a family member, well, it kind of, it looks a little, uh, you know, people don't take to that kindly. And my point is, is that, being relevant and being a program that is uh, competing at a high level in the conference every year, that's not been the case when it's been the LSU. And uh, that's evident because this is the first time since 2012 LSU can be 6-2 and two in league play. Uh, with that said, that'd be huge if they were to beat A&M and finish that high in the conference. Yeah, and uh, another chance to win 10 games this season. They haven't done that since 2013. and. So the last three years gives you an idea. There was a, a, a definitely the program started uh, sliding uh, after the 2013 season. Some would say mm-hmm. after the uh, two, after the national championship came following the 2011 season. But still, uh, this is a, a, a good season for Illinois. If they're able to get the job here tonight, um, you know the the definitely it could change uh, the whole. Uh, the whole feeling around the program, if they do lose here tonight, uh, then you're looking at, well, five and three, uh, eight, you know, eight and four in the regular season. Uh, had a chance, uh, just it just just like last year when they had a chance to beat Florida at home, Deke, and they didn't get the job done. It would be really disappointing if, again, they, they didn't get the job done again at home against the team that they should beat. Absolutely, Jeff. I agree with you 100%. Now, what does Coach O have to do in order to get these guys pumped? And do you think we'll see something additional offensively-wise in regards to the scheme or, or if we're going to put any more pressure on Texas A&M's defense, uh, you know, with the pass or the run game? I think for LSU, is just get Darius Geis and Daryl Williams all lathered up in this one. I, I don't know if Texas A&M can stop LSU rushing the football. They obviously didn't do it last year when Darius Guy set a school record for most rushing yards of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leonard Fournette always had success against Texas A&M. The Tigers have had success in this winning streak that they've had over Texas A&M just by running the football, being a more physical football team. And I don't know if A&M can, can out-physical LSU, especially inside Tiger Stadium. So, to me, the game plan is for you know LSU to run the ball, Jeff, let's see if we can get you on a better connection. It's kind of fading in and out. We'll get uh, uh, Dave to check with you because we want to make sure we got uh, everybody can hear correctly. So we'll get with Jeff again in a minute. And brings up a good point uh, how big this game is, Herb. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, not only that, but when you look at the LSU roster and you look at the A&M roster, uh, there's a there's a lot of Louisiana presence on that A&M roster. And I would say of the teams that play uh, in the conference uh, that play LSU, Herb, mm-hmm. the, the kids from the state that are on the A&M roster uh, make more of a contribution uh, than probably any other team. I know there's several on the, Al- on the Alabama's team, but as far as getting there and playing right off the bat, there's been a lot that have been at A&M, and, and there's a lot now. Coach Sumlin's found him a, a little pathway to Louisiana uh, in recruiting. 
he, he, you know, he brings in some really great talent from mm-hmm. Louisiana. He, you know, he brought in uh, Kendall Bussey Jr. Yes. Um, he, uh, a couple of years back, he had uh, Noel Noel yeah, Ellis Jr. Yeah, that's right. Um, had the young and, man from DeRitter, defensive back. Yeah, yeah. and uh, Speedy Noel. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, so you know, he's he's brought in some really top ten or top guys. Let's call it that. Top tier guys, uh, recruiting wise. Then you know, the thing about the thing about Kevin Summer that's that's kind of, you know, for me, it just makes. It doesn't make any sense. This guy was on the rise, man. He was at Houston, and he was so great. Oh, yeah. He got the job at Texas A&M. He got Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel wins the Heisman Trophy. Um, and then, you know, he had two other guys come in. Kyle Murray, I think is his name. And then I can't think, I can't for the other guy. His name escapes me right now. But these two guys were going to be, the, the you know, the, the, the successors to Johnny Manziel. And right. this was going to take – these guys were going to take this program to another level. And then all of a sudden, both of these guys leave. Right away, what was going on at that point in time that, you know, that made these guys just want to leave and go to a different school all of a sudden? And then ever since then, they've just never gotten on track quarterback-wise or offensively-wise for that matter. And I just don't I don't, I don't know what happened. I, I want to know what happened on the inside with Kevin Sumlin and for, you know, for, the, for, you know, for a guy that was on a rise so great and so fast to just all of a sudden kind of just plateau and then start to – to come down from that. No, exactly. Jeff rejoins us now. And, Jeff, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of, I don't know if you say uh, deja vu, but uh, there's been some rumblings that A&M is interested in Jimbo Fisher, and here we are two years uh, later from uh, a situation that last game of the year, what's going to happen, uh, Les Miles, his uh, future was uh, in, in doubt uh, going into the game. Supposedly there were dealings going on during the game. LSU winds up winning, and then, uh, 32 seconds before he goes to the podium, he's told, you're our coach. And uh, <laughs> supposedly all the support came up. Now it's kind of like on A&M. You know, uh, is, if Jimbo Fisher is that man, do they have a definitive answer? Do they know? If not, you're risking, uh, you know, hey, Kevin Sumner could win tonight and then win nine games. I mean, you're going to fire a coach that won nine, nine games. games and or even eight games. Around. Yeah. And, you know, beat LSU for the first time and hung with Alabama. So it's, it's a lot more drama. But here we are again two years later, Jeff, and it's centered around Jimbo Fisher. Yeah. It's supposed to be a rivalry game, right? LSU-Texas mm-hmm. A&M. But because of everything that happened surrounding the game now for the last three years involving coaching rumors, with, as you mentioned, Les Miles two years ago, Ed Orgeron last season, and now Kevin mm-hmm. Stumble this season, it, it, you really can't get that rivalry game that you're you're hoping to try to really establish here between LSU and A&M because the storyline is not about the two teams on the field. It's always about the coaches or who, the, about the athletic directors or about who might be the next coach or Jimbo Fisher. Maybe they call this the Jimbo Fisher Bowl from now on. I, I don't know. I mean, it's uh, it's crazy, uh, you know. To take it a step further on the Kevin, Kevin Sumlin point, I mean, this is this could be a ten-win team outside. You know, if they won tonight, and then if they didn't have one bad half against UCLA, I mean, that's that's the right. fine line that these coaches are really. They're they're. It's a tough profession. <laughs> now they get paid a lot of money, so I'm not going to feel sorry for them. And, you know, no. at any time, but. Um, you know, a bad loss here, uh, a recruit goes there that you didn't get, and that could cost you your job. That's just uh, that's just the cutthroat business that these guys decide to, to enter into, and it's, uh, it's a lot of pressure. And it's a lot of pressure on these athletic directors. I mean, when you're looking at six or so openings in the SEC, I don't know if there's six quality head coaches that can fill those jobs and those programs all of a sudden become what their fan bases and 
uh, what the athletic directors want them to be. So uh, I wouldn't want to be an AD, wouldn't want to be a head coach in college football. Glad I just get to watch it all from the perimeter, but it, it's difficult. And uh, it would be nice if this LSU A&M game was really about the team and they were or about the two teams and they were actually playing for something instead of it's all about the future and really what, what happens in that game doesn't matter. Jeff Palermo, columnist at WWL.com, Louisiana mm-hmm. Network Sports Director, is with us. All right, Jeff, uh, this matchup tonight, uh, LSU, Texas A&M, what do you see in this one? What are your keys when Jeff Palermo breaks this game down? Well, like I said, I think for LSU, it's, uh, it's all about establishing a run, right? Uh, I, I think, uh, and if A&M can stop it, and if A&M had some success, kind of like what Tennessee did, Tennessee played really well. Maybe John Chavis can steal a little bit from what, Tennessee did. Tennessee's got to, or Texas A&M's got to play with that kind of emotion that Tennessee did last week because LSU had trouble blocking the Volunteers and really went bailed out LSU with some special teams play. So uh, if, if LSU's not able to run the ball well tonight, this, this could be a, this could be a dog fight. Then it's up to LSU making plays through the air, winning the special teams battle. They did that against Tennessee last week. A big reason why they won as easily as they did against the Volunteers. And, and I think for uh, you know LSU defensively, uh, always you know, trying to get pressure on the quarterback. Uh, that's always uh, significant, and, and a couple of turnovers. Let's see if LSU can do that as well. And, and hopefully the crowd's uh, rowdy here tonight. It's the last home game, 6:30 start, perfect weather. Uh, no excuse for the fans not to be in their seats at 6:30 and to be in this one right from the start. Absolutely. And Jeff, uh, moving forward, LSU. Stands to lose two good running backs, and Geis and, and Williams. Uh, mm-hmm. What that happened? They missed out on ATN last year. Uh, the young man in Hanville is, is stock is rising as fast in the season as we have seen. Uh, where are they at the, at the running back position? I know they got the young man committed from Florida, but it it's almost seems like imperative that the, you know if there's a good running back in Louisiana, uh, man, they can't lose in two years in a row. No, and Puka Williams. Um Soon, on Sunday, you know, obviously the coaches are going to really start uh, the recruiting process uh, ramping it up here with the National Signing Day coming up on December 20th, I believe, the early signing period. If there isn't an LSU coach visiting Puka Williams on Sunday, then there's something seriously wrong with uh, their recruiting strategy because uh, he, he's as good as uh, any running back that LSU, that's come out of the state in a while. Uh, I mean, he's he's right up there, I think, with what we saw with Clyde Edwards, Elair at Catholic a, a couple of years ago. No, he's not as big as a Darius Geis or a Jeremy Hill or someone like that. But uh, this guy is something special. His ability to uh, hit it into a second gear once he gets back past the initial yeah. line of scrimmage is something very impressive. He's got some moves. Uh, you know, Ed Orgeron was asked about that earlier this week, and he still has confidence in Nick Brosette. Clyde Edwards, Eler has been developing. Don't forget about Leonard Fournette is on this roster. But it is yeah. going to be strange next season. Deacon. I've been covering LSU football since 2000, and I, I, I don't remember ever a year where you went into the season and you didn't really feel like you, you didn't know who was going to be the main guy carrying the football. And you go yeah. into the 2018 season and you'll have – You'll have that question mark all season long. You have really no idea who's gonna, who will emerge as LSU's lead back next season. And look, no, nothing against those. And I, you know, hey, I, you're gonna need several running backs. But all of those, all of those young men, they, they're pale in comparison. With, with the, and I know Brissett had all the yards in the world, but no, you, you, this this kid from, and I think the kid from Covington as well. I, they can't lose this kid. I mean, the, no. I know. I know the guys are no longer here to drop the ball on ATN and 
you know, that was kind of one thing. But they got on him late last year after he decommitted from A&M. And now he's a leading rusher for Clemson as a true freshman. It, it, would, just, it would just hurt because when you see what they have coming back mm-hmm. with the line, the quarterback, the receivers, to not have a centerpiece back coming back with that class because – He's the type of kid that can come in and make an impact as a, as a freshman, as, as we've seen around here. Yes, he will. Hey, I'll throw one other name out at you, Geek. What about Julian Gump at, at De La Salle? I mean, he's not going to obviously play quarterback yeah. at the college level, but the guy can yeah. run the football, and um, he, he, might be, he might be another answer as well. So they're not yep. gonna, they don't have to go to Texas. They don't have no, to they go don't. to they get don't. their next running back. they got a couple of choices here if that's the decision they decide to do. I agree. I agree. Yes, sir. Right. Uh, Jeff? Palermo, columnist at www.com. Jeff, as always, thank you so much for the time. We appreciate it. All right, guys, thanks. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.